And now, stay tuned for another episode of the Traumatic States of America. Welcome to the Traumatic States of America. Our main goal is to begin to heal some of the trauma we have suffered, both individually and collectively. I am your host, Dr. Lori Hood, and I will be talking with people from all walks of life who have suffered trauma in its myriad forms. Military veterans, attorneys, first responders, football players, stay-at-home moms, and many more. We will hear how trauma has not only affected them, but their families and communities as we take an in-depth look at what science has to offer and what can be done to prevent, mitigate, and help recover from trauma. Welcome, and today I would like to welcome Cynthia McClay Campbell, who is an education consultant. She specializes in plain language consulting, and she received her EDD from Viola University. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you, Lori. Glad to be here. Nice to have you. So tell me a little bit more about plain, plain language consulting. Well, plain language is essentially communicating in ways that the audience can understand. Uh, too often we see documents, say, from our credit card companies or from legal documents that are just plain confusing. And it's confusing not just for um uh, it's confusing for everyone, including people who are high-level educated experts. But for the, well, shall we say, the average person, it can be particularly daunting. And for people who have lower reading and writing skills in this country, which is about 36 million, it can be especially daunting. 36 million people. So how do so 36 million people have? You said low-level writing and literacy. So can you tell exactly. us what low-level writing and literacy is? Kind of define that for us. Well, it really means that they operate at less than a third-grade reading level. And much of the daily living requirements that we have to read and write are things that are not accessible to them. So, for example, if you hate, need to read a medicine bottle to figure out what your dosage is, when to take it, and all of that. There are many people who cannot read that medicine bottle. Oh, that's scary. That's really scary. So, so how do people get through our education system and without an education? Well, there's, a, there's a two answers to that. First of all, so many of the people that we're serving in our country have not been through our education system. Many of them are immigrants who, for whatever reason, had interrupted education in their home countries. So they may have never had any education. There's a high number of adults who come to this country with no reading skills whatsoever. There are people who had their education interrupted at the sixth grade level or at the ninth grade level. Now, in our country, there are a variety of reasons that people end up leaving school before finishing high school. One of them, sometimes it's undiagnosed learning differences. Sometimes it's other issues that cause them to leave school. For example, they may feel like in ninth grade or so, they have to take care of their family or get a job to help their family. So they get a job and then they find it very difficult to get back to school later. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Wow. So 
Um, as you know, this podcast is called The Traumatic States of America. And mm-hmm. um, at one point, you and I had a conversation where you mentioned something to the effect that, you know, you don't just teach uh, content, you know, just hand content, you know, or give content to adults and they go off and learn it, that oftentimes, and I'm paraphrasing and correct me if I'm wrong, you have to sort of undo the trauma that the second grade teacher did. Can you expound on that a little bit? Yes, I'm happy to. Uh, Unfortunately, in some cases, people have had very traumatic experiences in schools that keep them from finishing school. It may have been an undiagnosed learning difference where they were berated for not keeping up with class or acting out. It could have been a situation where they had taken tests and did not understand how to take tests because along with learning knowing the content of what's going to be on a test, you need to know the rules of taking a test. So they may not have known how to take a test or and been berated because they've done poorly on tests, which only heightens the test anxiety. So you have that kind of trauma. Then some situations that I've heard people from certain urban areas tell me that their teachers have said something to them along the lines of, I got mine, you go get yours and not really offer any substantial help or support as, as they're learning. Wow, yeah. And then you have certain schools where people have had to encounter violence and whatnot, so staying in the school just wasn't a safe thing for them. There's been schools in that category. So unfortunately what happens with some students who don't learn to read at a by the third grade. Third grade is considered considered the turning point. Hopefully you, before third grade, you're learning to read. By third grade, hopefully then you're able to read to learn. Um, so some students who kind of scrape along, inch along, get to ninth grade. And when they're in ninth grade and they're reading several grade level below their peers and they get frustrated and they... And then they vote with their feet and they leave. Right, right. Embarrassed and peer pressured. Yeah, I understand. I understand. And um, I also don't want to go, I mean, I, I, I asked the question, how does this happen? And obviously there's many reasons and there probably are even more. But I also don't want to um, dump it all on teachers because I think teachers have a really, really hard job. And I, I'm not, I don't think either and one of us. Are- exactly right. So there are, t- so even just, yeah, I mean, yes, you have some bad teachers, but it's not always, it isn't always bad teachers. It can be just playing out bad situations. And and often I think there are teachers who are, there are systems that are overwhelmed with various needs. Correct, yeah. Especially yeah. today. Exactly, I was just going to say, especially today. Do you think that teachers are traumatized? Oh, yeah. I think there are teachers who who have encountered trauma, especially as, and then there's been some research that talks about the trauma that teachers deal with with trying to address student trauma. And eventually it's wearing on the teachers. Right. So it wears on the teachers and often they don't get a lot of support. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the culture of education doesn't always lend itself to that because it, traditionally in education, everybody has their own class. They're supposed to be automatically de- independent and able to handle everything and it it doesn't too often teaching environments may not foster collaboration interdependence so the teachers aren't getting the support they need that they would get with collaboration 
Exactly. Right, right. Yeah. So one of the things that um, um, one of my companies does is it's called Future Safe, and the tagline is from mass trauma to collective healing. And I have consulted with some school systems around the country, their, um, either their administration, their, their vice principals, principals, school counselors, psychologists, um, and their threat assessment team. And that, of course, is because we've had school shootings. And I wonder what your take is on the effect on students. Let's just say, for example, a school that has not had an incident, um, but they're having drills. They're having, you know, uh, they're having to go through lockdown drills, soft lockdown, hard lockdown, you know, run, hide, fight, all of that stuff. What do you think, or what is, what has been your experience? I shouldn't say think, what is your experience or what do you know in the research, um, the current research that it's happening to first students and then teachers? Well, I think uh, for all of us, it introduces an element that we hadn't really dealt with before because it feels like this is a little more internal and personal as opposed to an earthquake drill or maybe the most analogous thing would be what people used to have with the the nuclear, nuclear meltdown drills of the people from the 60s. Right, duck and cover, then. right? Duck and cover. Yeah, duck and cover. Yes, exactly. But, you know, you know, going through thinking about how do we have to, you know, what would we do if we were to have to deal with a shooter? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it what adds to it is the hype around school shootings, too. Because while we have school shootings, it is not as prevalent as we might think by the way they are covered in the media. Uh, so it's a real problem, but it is, but there's a certain amount of, it's been heightened as a, a as a problem. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, so the way things get depicted, you know, some level with the media in general, that heightens the fear factor, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, um, you know, I find I have found different definitions of, you know, quote, mass shooting or, um, you know, school shooting. And uh, some of them have, you know, pretty hard bar and some of them have a very low bar. And so I think the statistics get a little bit um, massaged sometimes for whatever reason. Um, but I, I agree and I, I worry. I mean, I really worry about how students, I mean, when I went to school, school was safe. And it, it was always safe. Mm-hmm. And I, I worry about teachers and students and um, that kind of trauma, just, you know, knowing that it could happen at, at some point in time. And I don't know how we mitigate that. Yeah. And I think that really, at some level, the more serious potential for trauma is actually bullying and cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. And this is what kids have to face all the time. And one of the things that I think has been a real improvement is acknowledging the effect of bullying because that wasn't really acknowledged when we were growing up. Right. It was something you, if you were picked on at school, you just kind of had to deal with it. Yeah. Well, I think it was just something that we were just told to deal with and we were just basically losers if we were picked on in school. Now they're acknowledging that it should not, this should not be happening and it should not be tolerated. Right, right. Do you think bullying has gotten worse? I think in 
I don't know if it's gotten worse so much as it can, uh, it lives a cyber aspect to it. It could go further afield. And I think that's just true for all of us. It's when they've talked about shaming online, you know, in, in Twitter and things like that, it just gets further afield. So if I express a political opinion on Facebook, I'm going to have 30 people come after me. Mm-hmm. regardless of what size it is. Right. And that's, that's not something, you, in the old days before we had this kind of cyber connection, it would be a matter of, okay, you said something at a party, you might have five people mad at you. <laughs> but you did it face-to-face, and you had a certain amount of social protocols that probably tampered it down unless there was alcohol involved or you were dealing with your uncle. We all have that uncle, right? Um, but, but, the uncle, the but uncle. The uncle, right. But uh, here, it's just like people, in, there's been a lot of discussion about that, how people tend to feel uninhibited to do certain things in a cyber world and say things in a certain way in a cyber world that they wouldn't say face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I had a principal tell me um, about a year ago that when before, you know, all of the technology that we have right now, that kids would maybe have a, an issue at school, but they'd go home and there'd be like a cooling off period because there was a telephone and it was attached to the wall, you know, and mm-hmm. um, but now it, it just continues and, and the, the kids who are getting bullied don't ever get a break. And um so yeah, I think it's I think it's really important. You know, back to adult education. Do you find that some of the the adults that you work with were bullied as kids? That's an interesting question. I haven't never really explored it, but that would be an interesting question to to explore. I'm sure some of them have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure if, um, but I don't know the exact. Yeah, that'd be an interesting question to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would. Certainly a number of our adult learners have dealt with certain health issues, including addiction. So it's very possible for whatever reason they did face bullying at school, but they may have also faced uh, domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, you know, substance misuse and abuse um, often goes hand in hand with, with trauma. I mean, it's it's almost yeah. a perfect one correlation um, when we, when you get down mm-hmm. to it and actually get the get the the information and the data. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's a tough problem. So if you could change one thing um, for the education system, that it would, or do one thing, change one thing that would help people make it through school and um, you know come out literate as adults or, you know, graduating from high school, what, what would you do? Mm, that's a, that's a fun question. And I think, uh, I think perhaps the best thing I can think of is kind of a principle that some people try to employ in, in adult learning in terms of, because there's often when an adult learner comes through our door, it's not just education they need. It's often other things that are needed. Maybe some some support to deal with. They're dealing with crisis of some sort, maybe brought on by poverty or other situations like addiction or health 
issues. So looking at things as a holistic deal. Uh, we also employ what they call case managers to kind of help people look at what are their needs and help them figure out how to get plugged into what can help with their needs. Um, if, if we had and we had the capacity to have more of a case management approach that would, and I think people are trying to do this, but I'm not trying to throw, throw fireballs at the education system, but we had more of a case management approach where we, as we, we assess not only the needs of the student, but what assets they have, the talents and all. So too often in education, if we can get into looking at deficits, but we should be looking at assets. So the child who may not read well may have a natural, natural bent for music mm-hmm. or, or uh, the child who can't do math well may have a natural bent for writing. I mean, these are things. So we should be able to look at both the assets as well as, as the deficits, the, thinking the assets more over more than the deficits, but addressing the important deficits and making sure people are, you know, people are able to read and write and do math at, at the levels they need to do to have a functional, functional life, but also a life where they can fully participate in our democracy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think right now with COVID-19, we're all dealing with a certain amount of trauma um, for whatever reason. And I think we all just need to remember that each of us are doing our best and we may seem fine in one Zoom meeting, but it, but later that evening we could be having a meltdown. And that can be true for any one of us and that we need to, I think, just be gentler with each other as a whole. Um, I also have been impressed with how much we have been able to do with technology through this uh, through this time. So even though you know I have the concerns about cyberbullying, we've also seen a lot in terms of like social media being supportive of each other and helping each other. And with with Zoom and social media or other other applications like Zoom, we've been able to do things to connect that wouldn't have been taught possible 10 years ago. Yeah. So for example, yesterday was Easter Sunday. I wasn't able to go to church, but my husband and I were able to attend church um, through churches that we know, um, seeing, seeing our pastor preach and, and have the music and all that. And uh, with a lot of Herculean efforts on their part to make these kind of things happen. We attended a zoom meeting with some, um, Friends of ours we normally gather with for Easter, so we had a little Zoom Zoom conference, and that doesn't take the place of face to face, but it does help a lot. Yeah, yeah, we are really fortunate this this happened when it did, and it didn't happen 15 years ago or something because we'd be we'd be in trouble. I would say I would say we almost have to assume trauma at this point with all of us. And what I pointed out in plain, I did a little blog plain language in the age of COVID-19, which I put on LinkedIn. But one of the things is we need to, we need to assure, one of the things I point out in the blog is we need to assure people that we are on their side. 
when uh, when we're just giving out information, you know, wear the mask, do the social distancing. And sure, people were on our side. We will get through this together. But also, the need to have it be as plain as possible is really important because people undergoing trauma are just not going to operate at their peak cognitive levels. Correct. So, yeah. so while we normally would say shoot for an 8th to 10th grade reading level in material, I would say shoot lower. Shoot lower, make it clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, I, I'm totally with you. And I think we probably read the same research, but you know, that when people are, are t- under a lo- high level of stress, their creativity goes down there. You know, they get almost like tunnel vision, depending on how stressed they are. And yeah, that's a really good mm-hmm. point. So when we're trying to, to send out information, try, try to, um, you know, make, keep that in mind. Yeah. I think that's a really great suggestion. Really great suggestion. Yeah. So I wanted to get your website for our listeners um, and um, the name of your business, if you could give that to me or to us. Yes. My, my little business, it's me, myself, and I, uh, it's called Gold Apple Services. And my website is www.goldappleservices.com. Got it. Gold Apple Services. Oh, a teacher, Apple. I get it. Okay. <laughs> took, yeah. took, me, took me a couple <laughs> minutes. <laughs> It's also good for writing, too, so that sense of communication. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, Dr. Campbell, thank you so much for being with us today. It was a really good um, uh, information-packed episode, and and I hope people get a lot out of it. And, and, you know, I remember when when you brought this up to me, um, I, I hadn't thought about adult learners having had trauma and, and, you know, but you've pointed out all the examples, and, and I think people should keep that in mind. Be gentle with each other. That's a really good message. Always. And thank you. And that was Dr. Cynthia McClay Campbell, who is a plain language consultant, talking about the trauma that adult learners have faced and continue to face, as well as teachers in our education system. If you'd like to learn more about what she does, you can visit goldappleservices.com. Thank you for listening to the Traumatic States of America. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Lori Hood, go to lorihoodphd.com. The Traumatic States of America podcast is produced and engineered by Band Alla Productions at their studio in Washington, D.C.